You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Carrie Healy, in for Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Natalia Munoz, a contributor to El Sol Latino and a public relations consultant, and also with us, Ron Chamelis, a columnist and reporter for the Springfield Republican. Welcome to you both. Hello. Thank you. This Wednesday marked one year since Western Massachusetts Catholics received a new bishop. Mitchell Rosansky has had quite a year. He came to the area knowing nothing before he arrived. And then just a couple months, he was dealing with the complicated question of whether to rebuild the tornado-damaged Cathedral High School, which for years suffered from low enrollment. Ron, how would you grade Rosansky's first year in Springfield? With great sympathy. Uh, I think he's, when he came here, he knew that the high school was an issue, but he's told me that he didn't imagine it would be the issue that would dominate his first year. He walked into a difficult situation. I'm not giving him an A-plus on how it was handled because I think a lot of it was dragged out, but I think he's trying to balance a lot of competing forces as well as he can. And I see this week he gave a million dollars to the Sisters of St. Joseph's, and I think a lot of people felt that was getting the Catholic diocese back to what it should be doing. So... I like him. I think he's doing the best he can under a tough situation. Natalia, these are complicated times for the church. It's not just the declining school enrollments and uh, parish attendance going down, but lots of churches have closed, not only here in Western Mass, but around the country. Here's what Rosansky told us about that. If we look at a culture that keeps telling us we, we have to have material things, we're only happy when we have material things, and we buy into that, then we find it's very empty. And I think the role of the church is to say there's more to life than material things. He said it's the church's job to step up the evangelism and to spread that message. Natalia, will that be what brings people back to the pews? I think he has a gigantic challenge because, as we know, there's a decrease in church attendance, and most of the people who still go to church are over 45. They're close to 50. At the same time, what has kept the Catholic Church strong has been the influx of Latinos to the church. At the same time, the church here in Massachusetts still has to make deep gains into those different communities, Latino communities, by offering more masses in Spanish, by having more programs in Spanish, and also by attracting younger people. But again, the church is against gay marriage. It's now a law. The church has a stand that's directly opposed to established law. It's still advocating for things that people in their 20s are not interested in. So he has a very big challenge. Can he do it? He's very smart, and obviously he's a compassionate person. He needs to, you know, I looked on his Facebook page. He has almost uh, 900 likes, which is pretty cool. But there, I didn't see much Latino action there, which is his lar- growing audience or growing uh, customer base, to put it that way. Okay. Well, next, uh, a report this week from NPR about all the tools that colleges can use to meet federal requirements to prevent campus sexual assaults. Here's Georgiana Melendez, a staff member at UMass Boston. It's making us step it up a lot faster. There were certainly some things we weren't engaged in yet. We were just talking about. So now it's sort of like, you need to get this done. Okay, so many of these products offered to the colleges are digital. They're like webinars and apps. Natalia, is this the way colleges need to address campus sexual assaults? It's one of the ways. There are many pieces to this puzzle. How do we dismantle 
a time immemorial belief system that many men have regarding women, that they're objects that can be sexually harassed or sexually assaulted. So um, as someone who ha uh, has worked on this with the Northwestern District Attorney's Office, we produce some content for their website and some videos. Yes, everything that we can do to elevate the conversation about what is consent matters, is important, definitely. Ron, thousands are returning to colleges up and down the valley over the next couple weeks. Many of these schools have faced uh, reviews over how they've handled sexual assault cases in the past, and the investigation at UMass has been open for the longest in the country, according to a recent list provided by the feds. Have UMass and other schools in the region done enough? Well, there's a problem, so I guess it's easy to say they haven't done enough. On the other hand, it's a very elusive problem. And if technology is part of the solution and digital approaches, that's good. But I'm sure that's not going to be the only part. There has to be some old-fashioned human communication between faculty members and students and between students amongst themselves. And if that's incorporated, they have a fighting chance. I don't, I don't put it all in the colleges. This is a massive societal problem, not just a university problem. Let's wrap up this week with a court action many are calling ridiculous and a waste of time and much ado about air pressure. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell squared off in court this week over Brady's four-game suspension. Ron, our resident sports reporter, this is silliness or is this debacle striking at the heart of the game? Is it fairness and competition? It's all of those, and I'm tired of all of it. I'm rooting for the backup to play and them for, to win a few games. I'm a sucker for the underdog, so I hope Brady sits out the four games. He's not a hero in this. The NFL's not a hero. They've taken a very cavalier attitude toward justice, and that's showing up in court. I think everybody's tired of it, and uh, there will be a resolution soon. But uh, for Patriots fans, I'd say let's just move on with whoever the quarterback is and have the court decide whether the NFL is handling this situation in a legal fashion. Okay, we watched the game last night. What if it is Jimmy G? I think they can win two or three out of the four games. And if they do that and Brady comes back and he's not all banged up like all the other quarterbacks are by October, I think Patriots fans will look at that as a holiday and a blessing. They don't look at it that way now, I know. No. Natalia, should Tom Brady just call it a summer? Should he grab the bench and serve his time? Uh, you know, I don't worry about Tom Brady. I don't think any of us should. Um, this is a very highly paid person in a very violent sport. I think football is the opiate of the masses, not religion clearly anymore. I think the, the, the new bishop can, can attest to that as well. But to answer your question, I think we need to refocus on what's really happening in Massachusetts and in the country. Brady's predicament, the Brady's predicament, doesn't even meet the top 100 in most of our lists. Oops. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is on the list then? Oh, my goodness. There's unemployment. There's, there's health. There's educational. Uh, just in Springfield, half of the students who enter ninth grade don't graduate by 12th grade. There's still humongous health inequities. You know, black women die from breast cancer at a higher rate than other women, yet they're the least likely to get breast cancer, but they're the ones who are most likely not to be able to get to a doctor. Ron, what would you add? I'd add that football is entertainment, and it's supposed to be fun. When it stops being fun, I lose interest, and I'm a lifelong sports fan. I do think there's a question of fair play and fairness. I think those are legitimate questions. Integrity, that should matter. But I, I agree with her. Uh, this has gone way beyond how important it really is, uh, and I say that as a person who watches. But uh, it's supposed to be an entertainment spectacle, not a moral 
uh, Greek tragedy. Ron Shemelis of the Springfield Republican and Natalia Munoz of El Sol Latino. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist and EPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Carrie Healy. <laughs>